Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the breakthrough success coach and your powerful presence mentor. Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most. I'm your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the exponential success coach. And with me today, I have a woman who has had a huge life bounce. And I think her story is going to, I think each of us could find pieces of ourselves in pieces of her story. And um, without going into much detail, I will say that we will be talking about what it means to be a divine, messy human. So with that, let's just say hello to Amanda Kate. Welcome. Uh, hi, Wayne and audience. It's so lovely to be here with you. Really, really chuffed. Can't wait for today. See how it all unfolds. Let's see how it unfolds. This is that's part of the fun of doing a podcast and getting in touch with various people from obviously around the world. Um, you're currently in my future. Um, <laughs> because <Excellent>. that, <laughs> as I record this, it is a Monday afternoon. It's a Tuesday morning for you. Is that right? Mm -hmm. That is correct. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about what it means to be a divine messy human. I love that. It's part of the reason I wanted you to join me. Um, I think that there's, I think even that title, that's the title of your book. So we can start out mm -hmm. by talking about that. Um, I, I just think that that title, Divine Messy Human, kind of def it defines each of us, doesn't it? A hundred percent. And that was it. You know, I used to, when I very first started in my business, talk about making your messy human experience less messy. Yeah. Because let's face it, we are all full of stories and conditioning and all of this stuff that we didn't put there. We didn't plant it all there. We're just dealing with the outcome. You know, yes. we didn't yeah. choose the plants in our garden. It was here and established and we've got to work out what we want to keep and what we need to, you know, <laughs> shape. Weed. Yeah. Weed. Yeah. Um, all of that sort of stuff. So I think it's it's really important. And so I had a, a different working title for my book, um, which I did get a few printed of because friends wanted that one. Um, it has a bit of a rude word on the cover. Um, and so I, um, I had that working title and I went, oh, I can't market that book. And so I rang my editor and said, right, I'm going to print a few with the working title just for us who love it. Um, and we need a new title. And I said, I think I'm going to call it Messily Human. And then I went, no, we need that divine. Because as messy and human as we are, we all have our connection to the divine. We are all connected deeply and intricately to one another. And we are all part of the fabric of the universe that is that divinity. And that's why the title became those three separate words, which are also three complete sentences on their own. Very good. Amazing. Mm. Um, talk a little bit about your history. I mean, this is... We know where you are now in a in, in a little bit. I'll be asking you where you're headed for now. Let's wind back the clock a little bit. There was 
something that allowed you a perspective of dang this is messy um yeah. it's not only messy but it's hard and yeah. um at some point you allowed it to stop being hard um right and that that yeah. may be the divine part um but let's talk about like what happened that your life was nowhere near what you wanted it to be i think it's a beautiful question because my answer is mine obviously yeah but it is also an answer i hear time and time and time again in one way or another yeah and for me i i ticked all the boxes for life i was a white church of england oh, no. raised middle class girl yeah and I got good grades at school and I towed the line and I behaved myself and I did what my parents expected of me and went to university, got good grades there, um, you know, went and worked for my dad for a bit, went traveling, met a man, got married, had two children. I ticked all the boxes. You know, we did the international travel, we had the lovely home and I was miserable as sin. I was not happy. I was, I could never do anything right. Everything I did was wrong and I was told it was wrong, whether it be that I'd, you know, run around cleaning, you know, the house all day and then I'd be exhausted at the end of the day and my ex-husband would come home and go, oh, what have you worn yourself out like that for? And he'd have a go at me for it. And then the next day I wouldn't do anything and he'd come home going, you know, what have you been doing all day? The house is a mess. And the goalposts were always changing and I could never pick out which game I was playing. <laughs> and every time I thought I was playing the right game, I'd think I was, I don't know, playing football and next thing I'm playing water polo and drowning. Um, right. And, right. <laughs> you know, and it was this constant changing of the goalposts. And I used to say that to him. I said, I never know what I'm supposed to be doing to keep you happy because whatever I do is not good enough. And that would be brushed off and you've always got these problems and it was always my fault. And it got to a point where we ended up emigrating back to Australia um, and we moved to Melbourne, which is about an eight to ten hour drive from where I grew up because if we couldn't be close to his family, he didn't want to be close to mine. Um, and I kind of understood that. But shortly after moving to Melbourne, I thought it's either going to save us or it's going to completely break us. And shortly after moving back, things were getting more and more and more toxic. And I was getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And I was needing three-hour naps in the afternoon and I was seeing all these doctors who were doing all the blood tests and going, you're the healthiest sick person I've ever seen. I was suffering mm. 13 days a month with my menstrual cycle. I had six days in the middle of the month that were hell and seven days at the end of the month that were equally as bad with all sorts of premenstrual symptoms. And I'm going, this isn't normal. Like even for a bad cycle, this is not normal. And I went to a gynecologist and, you know, again, he's like, well, the only thing we've got left to try for you is antidepressants. And I'm like something in my brain went, what the f <laughs> Right. Right. <laughs> and I remember filling the prescription and I took one or two, but every time I picked up the box, I was like, this just feels 
all shades of wrong on all level of being. So well, I threw them in the bin. You again, right? It yeah. was it was it was how do we manage Amanda, right? And it's yeah. not how do we how do we treat a good human? No, uh, absolutely. It's it so was amazing. And a lot of women have these kinds of brush-offs yes. in the medical industry. Oh, you're just being hysterical. It doesn't matter. You know, you'll be fine. Just see how it goes for the next few months. You know, yeah. we do get that brush-off quite regularly. Even when I went to the doctor for help after having my second child, they were trying to give diagnose me with postnatal depression. And I'm going, I'm not depressed. My daughter does not sleep. It's not about depression. So you're going to give me antidepressants because my daughter's not sleeping and I need help for her. Like, How does this all work? And so it was this constant feeling again, like I was broken. There was something fundamentally wrong with me. And eventually what happened is it was the beginning of 2015 and we went on this family holiday and I thought we'd had a lovely evening out with, um, with some friends And my ex-husband, we got back to the room and he basically tore strips off me for about four hours, just pacing the room, telling me everything that I'd done wrong, everything that was wrong with me, everything that needed to be fixed, just all the things. And I basically couldn't function. I went into this almost catatonic freeze mode and I couldn't, I didn't know how to even speak to people anymore because everything that I was going to respond with, I was questioning in my head. And I'm like, is that what a normal person would say? What? And so I'd been put into this really weird state of questioning everything. Can I pause for a second? Yeah, go for it. For the audience, for those of yes. you listening and watching. Yes. This is what Amanda's describing is an abusive relationship, even though she was never, I assume, never physically abused. Um. And it is the definition of gaslighting. So if you've ever heard that term, uh, if you've ever heard the term gaslighting, what Amanda's describing is uh, she's doing everything in her life to have a good life and to be good to other people. And she's being told that she's the problem. Yeah. And um, just to be aware of if that's you or someone you know to recognize that you're in an abusive relationship that is um you know stop looking stop looking for what you could do differently and what you could do better um start looking for how to get out so um at some point (laughs) what happened like so i got back from that uh, that holiday we'll call it a holiday it was supposed to be a holiday and i had no clue what was up what was down i literally could not function because i was questioning everything and i thought i was going crazy because it is it's that he would say to me i'm perfect so it has to be you Mm. now for anyone else who wants another term to go with that that is true narcissism Mm-hmm. That is narcissistic personality disorder. And very few narcissists get diagnosed with narcissism because they do tend to have this fundamental belief that they are perfect and that there's nothing wrong with them. And, again, look, I, I have done enough work now that I, I, I see him as a soul being and I can love him. And also I have very strong boundaries when it comes to any interactions at all. And this so is I've called found compassion, it. by the yes. way. <laughs> it's like you can have compassion for someone else without having to care beyond caring for another human 
um, without having to take care of them, without having to make everything right for them. So this is huge. This is and without condoning their behavior. Correct. Without condoning which is a the behavior. big one. Because a lot of people think that to get to forgiveness, we need to, you know, do this Pollyanna type forgiveness. But forgiveness is does means that you can love them and have compassion for them and still not condone any of their behavior at the same time. And it feels comfortable in your body. It's um it's for those uh, with children, you can love your kids and not like their <laughs> behavior or, yeah. or at times not yeah. even like them. Yes. Um, love your kids, not like them, not like their behavior. Still, you're going to yeah. you're going to love them. And um, and this is, you know, this is maybe a little bit further out than that, a little bit boundary. Oh, uh, yes. Bigger yeah. boundary where it's I have compassion for this other person. They must be in a really horrible place to be treating the rest of the world this way. Yeah. And yeah. you can you then get to choose not to engage with them. Yeah. Right. And that's pretty much where it has to go. Um, but yeah, it was interesting. I got back from that holiday and I went and got a mental health care plan because I was the one that needed fixing. And I rang the psychologist's office because I knew that she did uh, mindfulness and meditation type stuff so it was a bit more holistic and I I remember speaking to the receptionist and she said oh you know so what are you what's your issue <laughs> and I said oh you know we've just emigrated and I went through the socially acceptable thing of you know my ex-husband's struggling to move in and you know my kids are needing a lot of support and she said and who's got your back and I just burst into tears because I was like oh my god uh, nobody. I'm yeah. doing this on my own and I am crumbling and this whole cast, house of cards is falling down. And she said, well, there's a lot of stress by the sounds of things on you. I can't get you into the middle of next month with the psychologist and her next class isn't starting until the end of the month. So she said, we've got a kinesiologist on staff. How do you feel about that? And I'm like, I am willing to give anything a go, anything, just book me in. I had no idea what kinesiology was. Um, in Australia, it is very different. It is energy and vibration movement as well as the physical body movement. So we look at the human being as 100% of everything that they are, not just the physical body. And that first session changed my life. And this, the um, kinesiologist I went to see ended up becoming a teacher of mine. And we still laugh because they. I remember sitting down in front of them and saying, I am so broken. If I don't fix myself, my marriage won't last. So I need to fix myself enough to be able to save my marriage. I swear she saw dollar, they saw dollar signs and were like, cha-ching, <laughs> we got us a good one. Um, <laughs> in the most loving, beautiful way. We have joked about that before. But that started to change my life. And even in that first session, she said, you have no idea how emotionally abused you are, do you? And I could put it to a number of other relationships I had. It took me four months to see that my biggest abuser was laying next to me. At mm -hmm. night. And it took me another four months to get up the courage to leave. And then that started a whole new um, level of hell uh, that 
I only swear I managed to navigate because I'd thrown myself into my study of kinesiology and I was learning and growing and starting to gain more understanding of the energetics behind it as well as the traumas that had put me into that situation and and then trying to navigate my way out of it. Um, but without that lifeline of study, I honestly don't know how I'd have, how I'd have navigated it especially in the way that I did. And my growth, I mean, that was seven years ago now that I left that relationship. And I have just been on the most mammoth excavation and growth path ever since. And I look back at that woman who I was and just don't even recognise her. Can you see Mm. how broken she was? Yeah. She was never broken. She was never broken. And I always say that because. Oh, good catch. Well said. I was never broken. That's that's great. I was exactly where I needed to be. And and I say that to my clients at the moment. You're not broken. I love that. What you're doing is you're living in the best way you know how. And what we want to do is we want to give you new ways to live. Because every single one of my coping mechanisms as unresourceful as they were, as unresourceful as they still can be, because let's face it, I am still that divine messy human. (laughs) Even in my most unresourceful, those unresourceful behaviours kept me safe at some point. And so my body, when I am in stress, goes back to those unresourceful behaviours because it goes, this worked at one point, let's try it again. And this is true for everybody. Right. That at some point, like you're as old as you've ever been. Right. So something got you to this place. You've survived. Um, And, and, and it's interesting. I mean, your book, divine, messy human, my, the working title of uh, choosing your power when I was writing it was a worthy struggle. Uh, And it was about, right. It was like, here we are as humans, we're doing our best. and we still yeah. come uh, come up against the walls and the put downs yeah. and the pitfalls and the saboteurs and mm-hmm. uh, the hills that seem insurmountable to climb. And yeah. yet we do it. Yet we do yeah. it. Right. So uh, I, I decided not to write about the um, <laughs> a worthy struggle, not to write about the struggles, but to write about, you know, something, mm-hmm. a better outcome. Right. So uh, yeah. choosing your power. And for you, yes. divine messy human. I mean, it's like it's it's a tribute to all of that mess that got you here, that that allows you to survive and and beyond. I mean, thriving really, because survival is survival is almost like a disease state. You know, it's sort of yeah. like you're not you're <laughs> not growing, right? You're yeah. you're in a place of dis ease. You're not yeah. at ease. You're not growing. You're not living your best life yeah. when you're in survival mode. So, yeah. um, and your adrenals are thrown off and mm-hmm. your sleep is then thrown mm-hmm. off. Your uh, weight balance is thrown off, like uh, everything. All of, All All of, of the things and the hormonal So balance. you're doing kinesiology now. Yes, I am. And, w- and define that, describe that a little bit. Like a a client now comes to you do you do this remotely as well? I do, yes. So we only were allowed to do it online through COVID. 
um, because kinesiology technically is muscle testing and touching people, um, you know, in yeah. fully clothed, by the way. Um, but it's about yeah. doing the muscle tests, which people like uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton and um, David Hawkins and a lot of those people swear by. Um, it's, it's the same thing. We're testing the electrical current of the body to see what stresses it and what keeps it strong. And so when, say, if I'm pressing on a muscle and it goes weak um, or loses tone, it's because the electrical current's sort of going, oh, you know, it's like a little um, blip. And so the, the message is interrupted. And so by asking the right questions and using the muscle tone, we get answers of what's going on under the surface and in the subconscious. And the way I look at it, the same thing I mentioned to you just before in terms of the physical body being such a small part of the picture, quantum physicists have proven it's 4% of the universe's physical matter. Mm -hmm. So this meets you, 4% of the picture. So the other 96% is things like our mental, emotional, psychological, spiritual, uh, energetic health, our relational health, our sexual health, our financial health, all of those different aspects to us all feed into what makes us 100% of the being. And so when we're looking at kinesiology, I care about the symptoms that you're coming in with. But say, for example, if you've got inflammation, I want to know what's causing the inflammation because there's a reason your body is putting that little extra protective layer around a certain part of your body. Mm-hmm. It could be physical stress, emotional stress, chemical stress, but it'll be a stress of some kind. And tying it into that place is usually some sort of emotion and a story then that we build around that emotion. And so, for example, I had a shoulder injury for years. <laughs> it was it was on and off for about two years. I still remember it was our seventh kinesiology class they tested up the emotion sitting in my right shoulder was self-respect. And I sobbed literally for about half an hour. I could not stop the tears. It was like this massive emotional release. The right-hand side is very much about that masculine aspect. The left-hand side is the feminine. In terms of archetypally, of course, we're not talking gender here, just, (laughs) just to put that one out there. So the masculine aspect is more that doing And I didn't have that self-respect. I could never express my self-respect in the world because it would be cut down. And once we did that release and we cleared the emotion that was stuck there and we did the, the, the balancing technique, until my grandfather died, I never had another problem with that shoulder. Mm. I could do all the things again. And the only reason it went when my grandfather died, one, that right-hand side being the masculine aspect, makes sense, grandfather's passed, and grief is often held in the shoulders because they're the main muscles on the lung meridian which deals with grief. But just in that one clearing, I had undone, you know, two years of this injury that I thought I'd sustained at the gym. Amazing. But it wasn't. And when I timed it back, to when it first started was when I was first seriously considering leaving the marriage. Amazing. So um, it's it's very interesting. And two things happened for me as you're talking. Yes. Yes. Uh, first, my background is clinical psych. And when I was doing couples work, what I 
found and studied was that people usually, you know, there are times that spouses are very surprised that their partner wants to leave. And typically what happens is that that leaving has happened somewhere between six months and two years prior to the actual leaving, to the actual announcement. Um, And so everything that happens in that six months up to the announcement is seeking validation, (laughs) seeking Mm -hmm. courage, seeking a plan. Um, and, And so it's very interesting. It's like, you know, you yeah. had four months of four months of like <laughs> rebuilding yourself and four months of figuring out how to get out. And, mm-hmm. and so I just wanted to tie a bow on that. The other, yeah. the other thing you said was, you know, talking about your shoulder injury and um, I, I don't know if I'm alone or if the rest of our audience is sitting there going, well, I have a pain here yeah. and it's, been with me for this long where did it start and and if you haven't started doing an inventory i guess this is an invitation for for our audience members to start inventorying yeah if you have an ache or like a chronic pain Mm. that's actually showed up and has slowed you down in some way Mm. what is the emotional connection to that and I guess just one more thing before I turn it back to you, Amanda, is um, in my world, when I was doing psychological Mm -hmm. counseling, um, to the phrase psychosomatic was Mm -hmm. always a, almost a negative term. Yeah. Well, it's psychosomatic, which means, oh, it's all in your head, which means you have to be dismissed as a human and a crazy human. And the truth is, psychosomatic means there is a psychological slash emotional component to the somatic, to the body expression. And I just, I wanted to underscore that because Mm -hmm. everything you're talking about is that. It is, there is a psychological, emotional component and doesn't, and again, back to you were never broken. It doesn't mean you're broken. It doesn't mean there's a problem with you as a human. Um, It means that your body is trying to express something that you might not be able to. Yeah, 100%. Our body, uh, like um, Bessel van der Kolk's book, uh, The Body Keeps the Score. Oh, yeah. Um, Our, I think when you go into that psychosomatic thing, I I love what you say there because it is, we think that the subconscious is between our ears. Mm. But our subconscious is in every single cell and every little energetic bit of our body. Perfect. And energy field. So in our auric field, in our chakra system, in our cells, in our organs, in our glands, in our blood, in our lymphatic system. I can give you another example. My Achilles for two months were hell on earth. And it was at this time I was signing paperwork, really important paperwork that finally was the last energetic ties to my ex-husband. So I'm stepping into a new future standing on my own two feet and I could not, I was struggling with my Achilles for two months around the signing of this paperwork. 
And you look at that and I knew exactly what it was. And I just had to be really kind to them and go, we're getting through this. And I'd never had an Achilles problem before in my life. Ankles also about flexibility. So was I being flexible enough with the agreement that we were signing? There was all of these things that I could then look into and go, okay, so this isn't an injury. Now, it meant that I couldn't do the same exercise I was doing, so I've had to alter what I'm doing. But I also didn't, I refused to give up my beach walks because they're my mental health bit for the day. And so my partner's like, you know, soft sand isn't going to be great for your Achilles. And I said, this is one non-negotiable that (laughs) I'm sitting with right now. (laughs) But you can see how those physical things have this emotional component to them. And so it's the same way that I talk to people, you know, if, if you've got diabetes, for example, and the doctor goes, well, you've got diabetes. Well, why do I have diabetes? Because you've got these symptoms. Well, why do I have these symptoms? Because you've got diabetes. It's this closed loop system. Whereas what I want to know is what are all the stresses and triggers that have been flipped, activated, switched on in what order to mean that you have that genetic expression of an actual disease? Because you could have a genetic disease genetic disposition for an ailment and never have that ailment if you don't have things stressing you, stressing your body, stressing your chemical makeup that flip those switches that say, yes, now it's going to be activated and shown, expressed in the body. Amazing. Yeah. And so I find it, I I truly believe that if we find the right switches, we can heal anything and everything. You are listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. Wayne Purnell. You know you are bigger than the life you are leading. It really is time to attend to that thing you've wanted to do or have, but you've been putting off. It's time to step into that dream you've parked for someday. It's time to claim true well-being, both personally and professionally, without giving up the success that got you here. It's time to check out Dr. Purnell's signature small group retreat, the Exponential Success Summit. Explore ExponentialSuccessSummit.com. Seats are extremely limited as this is a very special small group event. www.ExponentialSuccessSummit.com. In your book, I have not read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's okay do, do you talk about uh is there kind of a self-inventory it's an overview book um okay. a lot of people have said pretty much every paragraph could be a book in itself and i i kind of actually do believe that and yeah. it is the first yeah. um it is one of those types of books it, there isn't a lot of my story in there it is more talking about our human conditioning that makes us divine and messy and human all at once. So I do get esoteric and spiritual in there as well, because I really, the divinity for me is the bit that I really focus the most on, as well as developing the compassion and empathy for that messy human part of myself. Yes. And for that human experience. That's awesome. 
Well, it sounds like a good read, uh, Divine Messy Human. Also, I do want to uh, point out the book that you referenced, which is an amazing book, which is called The Body Keeps the Score. Please look that up. That's amazing. Yes. Um, if, if we're sitting here listening to this or watching this, and we're like, well, I've had this ache, and I'm not sure when it started, but it's an ache. Mm -hmm. uh, what do we do with that? So there's a couple of different things that I do with them. So, and for people who are new to this kind of work, it may sound a little bit harebrained and crazy, but trust me and go with it. <laughs> that's, that's if right. you just close your eyes and put your hands on your heart and breathe, your body, your energetic body will start to realign with your physical body. So it's like putting your hands on your heart gives you an anchor mm. and a direction. So as you breathe, your energetic body will settle back into your physical body. So that saying that people say, oh, you're beside yourself, often our self point, which is in the middle of our sternum, will actually move and I will find it <laughs> away from where it should be. And people energetically are literally, it's like they've got an energetic cutout of themselves next to each other and the energetic body is not with their physical body. So if we put our hands on our heart and just breathe for a few minutes and get ourselves into a place where we feel present, we can then breathe into the area. So we direct our breath and focus on the area that is giving us that ache or pain. And I just ask it a few questions. What are you here to tell me? What am I not seeing? Why are you here? Do you have a message for me? Is there something I need to be doing? Is there something you need? So I ask some very gentle questions and I wait for my body to give me the answer. And there well, will that. be that little voice in my head or that knowingness. Ah, oh, you know, with my Achilles, I knew exactly why it was happening. Now, yes, I still went and saw my acupuncturist and I still had a session with my kinesiologist and I went to a hypnotherapist as well just to, you know, cover a few extra bases. And they're all like, it's, it's going and it will be gone, but you just need a bit more patience. Now, clearly, as you know, I saw a few people, so we got different aspects and different versions of it, but it was not going to fix until it was ready to fix and until I'd moved through this little patch that I was moving through and having compassion and understanding for that as well and not getting cross at myself when I get up in the morning and I'm hobbling to the bathroom because my Achilles are sore, giving them a bit of love, heading back to bed for a few minutes, starting my day a bit slower and then giving them the love and compassion that they needed to readjust to the new ground I was standing on. What did and you so say you starting your what? Starting the new chapter of the ground, starting, the new ground I'm standing on. No, no, starting your, you said something, I wanted to start my, almost sounded like. Oh, starting my day, the bit okay. where I said I will start my day with a bit more compassion and I okay. give them a little bit more time okay. to get going. It, it, that's good. Mm. Um, I love that. I love everything about that. There are... Uh, it's interesting. My uh, philosophy around around illness 
is is one of watch your pronouns. Mm-hmm. People make them a pet, right? Oh, yeah. Well, my cough. It's like it's not your cough. It's the cough, yeah. right? It's mm-hmm. like unless it's a yeah. pet, and you're going to nurture it. It's like it's the cough. Oh, you know, distance yourself from it. Yes. Um, the ankle pain. The you know the <laughs> the shoulder mm-hmm. pain. Um, and people hold on to those. It's very interesting. Yes. And, and the other thing that you did, you know, that that you've described, uh, you know, I, I, my my wife very generously shared a virus that she picked up at work, and uh. my body very uh, politely became a host for that <laughs> virus. Uh, and my and so I had I you know I I experienced a cold, right? I had mm, yeah. a simple cold. Um, not that long ago, it was, uh, you know, winter here and that opens the doors for many things for mm-hmm. whatever reason. Um, what I tell myself is my body is doing exactly what it needs to do to clear yeah. this thing. Exactly. Yeah. Right. It's not, oh, I have, oh, I have this cold, oh, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. I have this thing. It's like, no, no. Right. I will blow my nose. I will cough. Yes. I will clear this. My body is doing exactly what it needs to do yeah. to clear this thing. And so, yeah. you know, a lot of what you've talked about is really honoring the body mm-hmm. um, and honoring the the mind body connection yeah. um, and honor, honoring then the mind body spirit connection. And yeah. Uh, it really does go beyond. It is, um, you know, the the spider senses. Oh, I knew that. I knew, like it felt like danger, or it felt like mm. fun, or it felt like it's like that's an extension of your energy field. And most people yes. don't actually acknowledge that on a daily basis. Yeah. And so um, it's. It, it, it's rare that I talk about it, especially publicly. And and that said, I think it's one of the things that um, when we develop what we might call intuition, mm-hmm. uh, it really serves you. When you start yeah. to pay attention to what your body and beyond <laughs> what messages mm-hmm. you're getting, I think it's huge. Yeah. So and all, it changes all that is everything. Kind of, it so does. even with you for the cold, I would also be going because you can be around someone who has a cold and not pick up the cold. True. So your body clearly was going, probably giving you signs for a few weeks, honey, you need to rest. Oh, Dull totally. and take a break. Absolutely. And right. all of a sudden you're going, no, I'll be fine. I'm just going to push through. And then the cold comes along and goes, perfect environment. Exactly. And now you're going to rest. I can guarantee every time I ignore those signs, I will end up with something that makes me rest. I have a client who gets severe migraines. And I said, darling, have you been pushing through again? She said, yeah, the only thing that stops me is a migraine. I said, why do you think you're getting migraines so often? Because your body is screaming for rest. And it's the only way you honor rest. It's, it's incredible. (laughs) Okay. So I've been, I've been on airplanes for almost 20 years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As part of what I do. And, um, I, I have this saying, um, and, 
it, it used to piss a lot of people off because it's like, hey, you know, I it was it, I didn't get sick. Like I just didn't. Mm. Uh, my environment was such my body environment was such that it was hostile to viri. Yes. So, so my saying was, well, I hope you catch what I have. And people go, <laughs> what? It's like, I hope you catch what I have. Cause I feel great. Right. It's like, yeah. Like, yeah. So, you know, and that is again, the message of what can you do as a good human to be that beacon of light and that bearer of amazing energy to allow others to feel it and be lifted by it. And that is huge because, you know, I work in both personal development as well as leadership development. And yeah. <laughs> both of those arenas require you to show up, right? Show up at your fullest and most vibrant self. And, um, yeah, the uh, just like my body's doing exactly what it needs to get through this. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Apparently, I needed to rest, and the, and yes. it was really good. What's great, by the way, if I can mm. pat myself on the back, is that yes. I did allow myself to rest. I Beautiful. I absolutely right that that's that that's huge. That powering through it, it is a ridiculous strategy. Well, it's interesting you say that. I, I have often said that the one of the biggest gifts that COVID has given us is that people now stay home when they're sick and they honour that and they don't go out and cough and splutter on everyone. But we used to have ads on the TV for a certain cold and flu medication in Australia that said soldier on. Basically, oh. you take these tablets and you soldier on. And that was the mentality that we used to have. and. Now people are going, oh, no, I better stay home. I've got a cough or a sniffle or whatever it is. And people are resting and honouring their rest. So I think one of the best things that could have happened in a very yes. crazy, weird way was people are now in their own special way listening more to their body. Oh, no, I'm not unwell. I need to rest. Great. I, I Finally. I agree it's not that. about take two pills and keep striving and pushing through and all the rest of it. It's, yeah. it's listen. What's going on? I think that's fabulous because I think that's absolutely right. Is it is? It's listen. It's listen. Mm. Um, talk to me about your you, uh, your personal habit uh, habits. Maybe do you journal? Do you keep a journal? I am not a regular journaler. Um, okay. I know it's one of those things, especially as a writer. I do love writing. <laughs> However. If I sit down and journal, it kind of gets a bit like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing this for. This is crazy. So I do it when I am really inspired to write and my mm -hmm. phone is full of notes and I write on lots of little sticky notes. And so my next book is started in that kind of way. But my journaling is actually when I walk the beach. Okay. I process what's been going on, what's happening where I'm at, that sort of thing. So I actually do it more like almost like a walking meditation. Very good. Okay. Yeah. I just wondered how you got it out and where you kept it. And yeah. you get it out, but you don't keep it. So that's no, that's it's the way I think of it is almost like that spider's web. You know, the spider creates the web and then it gets blown away and then they go, oh, no, I'll just make another one. 
There's no attachment okay. to it. So the really big insightful things, even those I don't always write down because I'm going if they're meant to come out and if they're meant to be on a blog post or a social media post or in a book or whatever, they'll find me again because I've already thought them. <laughs> Very good. Right? It's all part of you. Oh, and yeah. you'll release it and it, it'll be back. Yep. That's pretty good. Yeah, really and I'm I'm less likely to lose my subconscious than I am the bits of paper that I write things down on. <laughs> well, there is that. <laughs> uh, this is this is great. Uh, let me ask you this: uh, you know, as we're approaching the top of the hour here, um, just coming up, not that close, but close. The questions that I like to ask at this point mm -hmm. are a few. And so I'm going to ask them yeah. as a as a cluster, and then you can unpack yes. it. Yes, perfect. So, talk a little bit about not just what you're doing now, but where are you headed? Like, mm -hmm. what's in your future? You've talked about having another book that you're starting. What else is in your future? Um, and then elaborate. Like, is there something that you were hoping I would ask you that I didn't ask you? Is there? Um, you know, is there something that you think that our audience needs to hear? And then the final thing is how do people reach you if they want to reach out to you and, and learn more from you or about you? Yeah, absolutely. And they are all great questions. Um, one, I think I, I think I mentioned it to you at the very beginning before we started recording and probably when we first met as well. I trust that you ask exactly the right questions that your audience needs to hear because you know them best. And I am just here to, you know, to share what wisdom I have and hopefully get some ahas for a few people. So I trust that you've asked all the questions that we need. And if there are any more, I trust that they will be the right things for people as well. And I think that is one of those things for me that I've really been building over the last number of years is that trust in the universe, is the trust in the divine and the divine timing of things. And that the right people hear things at the right moment. You know, I get messages still in my healing journey and I'm going, how has it taken this long for this to become, you know, visible to me? But I couldn't have maybe handled it or done it in the same way if it had come up a few years ago. And recognize that. Ago. I, think that's, I think that's huge for any of us to recognize that yeah. it's like, why has it taken me so long? The idea of it taking too long is a lack mentality and yeah. not an abundance mentality. And yeah. the idea that there's a timeline on when things are revealed to you, just recognize you're being given this gift now. What are you going to do yeah. with it? So as yeah. things percolate for each of us, it's like, wow, okay. And you yeah. think, you know, it's like, oh, if only I'd known this, I wouldn't have lost those years. Well, those years gave you certain gifts that got you yeah. to where you are now. So, yeah, um, yeah just recognizing yeah. That, that you are on a path for a reason and it's a, mm -hmm. and it's, you're in your purpose already and now yeah. you're being shown something new. So, and you know, on my really, really tough days, on those days where I was probably depressed and didn't want to get out of bed. I would go, okay, you know this is all written. You know, I'd use that little excuse. This is all written and you are just an actor. You've just got to get up and say the next thing and do the next thing. So what's the next thing you do? Okay, I need to go to the loo. All right, go to the loo. 
all right, what's the next thing? Go and make yourself a cup of coffee. Okay, I'll go and make myself a cup of coffee. What else do I need to do? I need to get the kids to school. Okay, let me just do that. And so I would literally break down my day into something's got to happen and what's my next thing and what's my next thing. And even now when things are tough, okay, what's the next thing I can do? Let me not look any further than just that next step. And I think that's that's one of the interesting things about when you say, you know, where am I headed? In some ways I have started, this is a new seven-year cycle for me. So I mentioned that my my relationship ended seven years ago. And this next seven-year cycle has literally just begun. Mm-hmm. And so I am entering 2023 with this sense of uncertainty and wonder and awe probably a little bit of terror sprinkled in there and all sorts of different things with this idea of I need to be open, I need to be curious, I need to see what my next step is and clear out some of the rest of the noise. Love that. Uh, You know, when you say uncertainty, I'm entering this, this time of my life with uncertainty, that can cause a lot of fear. The next yeah. two descriptors were pretty amazing, which is uncertainty, wonder, and awe. And yeah. I'm a huge fan of curiosity. Yeah. The, right? The curiosity is one of those things that uh, permeates through all of my work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and basically, it's if you live in curiosity, you can't be in judgment. And so you release kind of the ego piece and you go, well, I wonder what this is about. I wonder what's next. I also, um, I want to just highlight something you said, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, I just got to get up and do that next, even if it's a little thing, just do that thing. That's huge. That if you ever feel Mm -hmm. lost, and this is for our audience, that if you ever feel Mm -hmm. like, I'm just done. Like, I don't know what to do. I'm done. Like everything looks bleak and dark and, and cloudy and just recognize that, you know, if it's a foggy day, it's not foggy everywhere around the world and that fog burns off. And so what is it that's going to help to burn that fog out is to do the next thing you, you live your purpose by actually being in action. Mm. Right. So do that thing that's going to put you into further into your purpose. And you may not even know what that is. Just get into action, get out of like the cycle of talking to yourself and get into doing and you'll feel it. Right. And that's the, that's the somatic thing is like, you'll feel it. So, and sometimes my thing was literally just sit up and put your feet on the floor. Mm-hmm. to get out of bed because I didn't want to get out of bed. And then it'd be okay. So what's the next thing? Well, we can't sit here all day. I've got to stand up. I've got to go to the loo. I've got to, you know, <laughs> coffee. And so it was just that thing to, as you say, get me going. And I used to rely on the fact that, you know, I know there is a lot of free will choice, but I do believe that the broad brush strokes of our life are predetermined to an extent. And so I know that I've walked exactly the path I'm supposed to walk. And you know how I know it? Because it's the path I've walked. 
If my path was supposed to be different, I'd have walked a different path. And that's how I say to parents or or anyone, you've always done the best you could in any moment you've had because otherwise you'd have done differently. Right. And so you have done exactly what you're supposed to do. You know, nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, you know what, I think I'm going to traumatise my children today. (laughs) You know, it's not a conscious choice. (laughs) I have not chosen to get into a screaming match with, you know, my daughter over something stupid. Right. Sometimes, occasionally, those sorts of things just happen. It's not always intentional. And so it's also remembering that even in that moment, when you are being unresourceful, you're doing the best you can. And those unresourceful behaviours, as we said earlier, have kept you safe at some point. And I think that's really important. Learn from it. Yeah, absolutely. Do I want to do it differently next time? And even when you catch yourself in those behaviours you've been trying to change and they're coming up as unresourceful again, it's having that compassion for yourself of going, okay, this behaviour is still in my subconscious and at some point this kept me safe. What could I do next time that might change that a little bit? Perfect. And it's having that that conscious reflection. I sometimes even have done it in the middle of an argument with my partner where I'm going, whoa, this doesn't feel like our stuff. <laughs> and I'll go, okay, so how old am I now? And That's awesome. And age will come in and I'll go, okay, so what was happening for me at that age? Oh, that, 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 all right. What did I need? What was I feeling? Huh. So right now it's not because of whatever it is we're arguing about because I'm not feeling seen or heard or understood or whatever it is. And so I can actually sort of backtrack out of it. And I have done before. This is gold. And there was. Yeah. Yeah, I want to underscore it because (laughs) this happens to each of us. We get caught into something and we respond or react. Mm -hmm. um, And it really takes effort to go. That's not what this particular situation is about. Yeah. I'm, I'm living a different interaction and it's coming out here. Yeah. What do I need to do differently? Yeah. Powerful, powerful to be yeah. able to have that perception and then to go, okay, all right, time out. What I meant was this. And it comes and out. You right know here. what? He's never, he's never complained about me doing it either. <laughs> By the way, let's just stop this argument now because this is actually my shit and I'm projecting it onto you. And there was one time he went absolutely bananas at me, which he doesn't usually do. Like, we just don't do that. And I stood there and I was like, this has nothing to do with me. And I just let him go. And at the end I said, do you want your dinner now? And that was it. And he came up to me later and went, yeah, you're right, that wasn't about you. I didn't even tell him it wasn't about me. But he knew just from my reaction oh, this has got nothing to do with me. This has been building for a while, blah, blah, blah. This is huge. So it just takes the the personal stuff out of it. Now, sometimes it is because I'm being an ass or he is, and then we actually do need to sort stuff out, you know, because we're human and messy and all the rest of it. (laughs) But in those moments where you can pick up that it's actually got nothing to do with either you or him, it's like, oh, it actually takes so much pressure off. It does take pressure off, and it's a... It's a beautiful place to live in that if you are in the receiving of a a tirade of some sort and you can, and you can go, interesting, this has nothing to do with me. This is all about the other person. 
um, they're hurt, they're scared, they're reliving something, what's going on with them? And you just yeah. stay in that place of compassion. It's it's very yeah. magical. It's very yeah, magical. Yeah, it was. And, you know, I mean, the devastation on him because he's like, oh, my God, I don't do that to you. Like, he just felt terrible. And I said, honey, I've seen this building for weeks. I'm actually kind of glad it's over. Now what do we do about it? Good. You yeah. know, what's the action steps? And And for me to look at that... And go back a few years, it's it's chalk and cheese. It's a compl- completely different, you know, way that of, of dealing with things. Yes, yeah, very, very mm. amazing. Um, all right. So at this point, how if people want more, want to reach out to you, want to learn about you, about your book, etc. Mm. You know, I know that that we will send them to. Um, divine messy human yes.com is that right yes i do have divine messy human.com although um one of the people did say the link didn't work for them but if you go to my website it's all there anyway which is www.amandacake.com.au so it does have the .com.au for australia um but all of my links are on there information about the books on there i know the books on amazon and kindle so yeah well, the good news about your name is it is spelled as it sounds, Amanda yes. Kate. Okay. Uh, AmandaKate.com slash, is it slash or dot au? Dot com. Dot com. Okay. There it is. <laughs> uh, cool. Thank you. That's awesome. Uh, this feels like a really fast hour. It feels like we've I know. Just covered so much. <laughs> and, um, I'm looking at my notes it's like, wow, okay, we amazing. Yeah. Amanda Kate, Fantastic. thank you so much. I appreciate it. Oh, you. thank you. Yeah, I appreciate the work you're bringing into the world as well. So thank you so, so much. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Well, this is one sharp sword cutting through to what matters most. My, my guest today was Amanda Kate, and you can find her at amandakate.com.au. And I am Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the Exponential Success Coach. We will see you here next time. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the Breakthrough Success Coach and your powerful presence mentor. 